Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View where we where we every single day celebrate the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a special place to live, work and play. When I say that, it means more these days because there's so much incredible work happening across uh, coastal Mississippi. You know, when I look back after Hurricane Katrina, I think one of the most important things that Governor Barber did is form the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal. I had the pleasure of vice, becoming vice chair of the tourism effort and a member of the executive committee. We actually held the first meeting at the Sun-Herald, and it was uh, like five days after the storm. And within five weeks, within five weeks, we had, we had garnered the private funds to fund what we referred to as a charrette, an architectural charrette, which is essentially a planning and sort of creative session of 11 coastal cities simultaneously focused on what could be, you know, helping you know, uh, communities that had been destroyed begin to think about who could be involved. We hired Andreas Duani, the famed architect. You might know him from, he designed Seaside, but he designed 300 other communities around the world. He's the father of new urbanism. And Andreas brought a team of architects and planners literally from around the world. We had a couple of planners from the Prince of Wales uh, uh, Foundation. So it was just, it was just a, a really incredible moment for all of us to learn about the importance of planning, about what it means to create a sense of place, et cetera. Along the way, Andreas wrote a book, and the book was called Suburban Nation, The Rise of Sprawl and the Decline of of the American Dream. And I just want to quote a couple of quotes from you from the book. Here's one. We live today in cities and suburbs whose form and character we did not choose They were imposed upon us by federal policy, local zoning laws, and the demands of the automobile. The point that he's making is that so many cities became what they were through serendipity. You know, one thing happened and they made a change over here. And before long, you had a city that you really weren't so proud of. If you go back and look at some of the old cities, incidentally, what you'll find is there was something very special about them. And, um, and then he said this about that, actually. The problem is that we cannot easily build Charleston anymore because it is against the law. It's interesting because all these zoning laws along the way made it impossible to build the Charleston that the old Charleston that we all came to to love. He said, similarly, Boston's Beacon Hill, Nantucket, Santa Fe, Cornell, all of these well-known places, many of which became tourist destinations, exist in direct violation of current zoning ordinances. And then a couple of more. If these influences were reversed, and they can be, an environment designed around true needs of individuals conducive to the formation of community and preservation of landscapes becomes possible. The traditional neighborhood, represented by mixed-use, 
pedestrian-friendly communities of varied population, either standing free in villages or grouped into towns and cities, have proved to be the sustainable form of growth. It allowed us to, to settle the continent without bankrupting the country and destroying the countryside in the process. But the point that he's making is that there's sort of a resurgence, and this is something we talked about, he talked about long before Katrina, but after Katrina, we came to uh, appreciate that this mood to rebuild the cities was a really important part. And the case of coastal Mississippi is mostly related to the downtowns of, of the coastal Mississippi uh, cities. So we learned a lot about planning the post-Katrina environment. And we came to really appreciate this word that I use all the time, this word that means sense of, that says sense of place, creating this very special and unique sense of place. Each community of coastal Mississippi has its own unique sense of place. So my goal here on COSIA has been to look into the future and talk more about why it's important to invest in enhancing the sense of place in a way that, that brings empty nesters to town, in a way that brings young people to, to town. We want people from all over the country to, to choose coastal Mississippi as a place they want to live. I think that the key to our success as a region as we look forward, especially if you think about the new economy that I talk about here on Coastview all the time, is building the kind of places that people want to live. I really believe that strongly. Uh, this new economy, incidentally, is the is is really really compelling when you think about young professionals, especially tech savvy. Um, you know, we we thought a lot about this during the pandemic. Incidentally, we we knew these people could live, work, or play wherever they wanted to 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 live, work, and play. They could work remotely, and the pandemic sort of put that on steroids. What we learned along the way is that, that millennials kind of like mixed use. They want to live and they want to work and they want to play within walking distance. They, they want access to necessities. They want to be able to be engaged with their friends. I've had some terrific conversations here on Coastview with Eric Hill, who's the head of the Center for Entrepreneurship at Mississippi State. And he's a, he, again, he's a frequent guest here. And here's a couple of things that he said that really apply well to this conversation we're going to have today. He said, we need an educated, experienced, and portable workforce. Nearly every one of our angel-funded teams, entrepreneurs here in Mississippi, has struggled with hiring specifically developers. He goes on to put success in building these kind of places in more practical terms. Here's what he said. People in their 20s and 30s need to, need to be able to find spouses our cities and communities need to be places sought after and that lead. What we what would we get what would it take to get someone under 40 to say, wow, I'm glad I live in Mississippi and not elsewhere? And he goes on to talk about how important that is. So I've talked about urban and uh, regional planning here on Coastview, dreaming of a coastal Mississippi that competes with places like Nashville and Chattanooga and Austin and others. Um, we've been talking more about urban, urban planning here on Coastview a lot more recently. Uh, you know, there are, we're lucky that we have a lot of mayors and city councils along along coastal Mississippi who really are beginning to get it. And there are a growing number of developers who are willing to to put an, an insane amount of money on the table. They're taking risks to build better downtown areas, to build the kind of places that people want to live. Um, you know, we, we're we're working toward making coastal Mississippi uh, a place that rivals some of the best communities in America, and we're lucky lucky to have the men and women who are who are making those investments. I like to say they're betting the ranch. Um, We've been talking more these days about strategic planning on the regional effort. So we're not just talking about positioning coastal Mississippi to be a 
place to live, but we're talking about creating a striving economy that, that is diverse and adjusting to the dynamics of this ever-changing new economy that I just talked about. We are moving in the right direction, but it's going to take a lot of focus. It's, we're going to have to stay intense in that, and we're going to we're going to have to continue to keep the bar extraordinarily high. This is one of the reasons why I continue to talk about the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund that was created after after the BP oil spill. Some of the investments have been smart. Some of the investments have not been smart. When, and and the, the, what I'd like to say is that more than $300 million is left. We've got to get smarter. And we have to fight the urge to use that money as a political football. One project that is super smart and that sets an incredible example of everything that I just talked about is the district on Howard in downtown Biloxi. Mayor Fofo Gillich and I have talked about it many times. I'm thrilled to have developer Lee Young with me this morning. We're going to talk not only about that project, but sort of his vision for coastal Mississippi. Good morning, Lee. How you doing, friend? Good morning. Thank you for having me. So as I was uh, sort of laying all that out, did that sound familiar to you? <laughs> it sounds uh, very familiar. Um, you know, a lot of us, I guess, well, I was in my late 30s, early 40s when Katrina hit. It would have been much easier for me to have left at that point. Um, but, you know, all my whole life was spent here. Prior life was spent here. Yeah. So, you're vested with family, friends, and, you know, the coast means a lot to me, and you want to see it make a charge back. You want all our cities to come back, and, you know, we drove down uh, Highway 90. I'll specifically remember this, the day before Katrina hit, and that evening, and um, looked at it, and we've seen hurricanes come and go before. But to not even be able to recognize where you were on a particular street uh, several days later when you were when I was able to get back down checking on a boat I had, um, it was not only shocking, it really, really uh, left you uh, speechless. Yeah. And um, you wondered... Your mind wandered like, um, there's no way. There's no way the coast is going to make it back. But it took a lot of people willing to stay, and it's been a long and painstaking process. I can guarantee you that, not just for me, but for all the communities along here and all the people that were willing to stick it out. It's taken time, but you said in, in an interview in 2018 that with a little vision and some initiative and people putting their money where their mouth is, we can make it happen. So we can so not only rebuild what was there before, which I mean I think we've done a really good job of proving that we're a very strong and resilient set of communities, but beginning to put sort of a, a, a future eyeball on this thing to say we're going to have vision, we're going to we're going to create some audacious goals to bring life back to our cities, and you're seeing it from from Moss Point all the way over to Bay St. Louis and Waveland. You're beginning to see that happening. When we come back, we're going to get very specific about you know what where did Lee come from? Where did he get his understanding? His dog determination to want to rebuild in this case downtown Biloxi but we're going to talk more about the, you know, the overall story. We'll, we'll, we'll see you after this with, with uh, Lee Young. 
listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Lee Young with us. He's a developer here in coastal Mississippi, and he's bet the ranch on downtown Biloxi, uh, to say the least. Uh, with the district on Howard. And uh, again, it's about bringing life back to downtown. I talk about mixed use all the time. We'll, we'll get into some details, actually, in just a few minutes about, about why mixed use is such an important part of the conversation and how that connects to what Andreas was talking about and his quotes that simply said, if we're going to build the kind of places people want to li- live, mixed use is the key to the success of that. So, so, Lee, coming back to you, let's think about uh, what I want you to do is just give us sort of an overall vision for the district on Howard. And then what we're going to do, we're going to come back to it in just a second and get into some of the details. But then I want to kind of tell your story a little bit. But so people can appreciate what this this multi-million dollar investment that's been made in downtown Biloxi. Tell us how you talk about the district on Howard. Okay. Hey, you said earlier um, that developers and people that are putting up money um, into downtown areas and to build back the coast, that, they're, that we are betting the ranch. But I also believe that cities uh, and the community is betting the ranch on me as well. It puts a lot of burden. You feel like you're carrying a lot of weight on your shoulders. But, you know, it's a two-way street. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, go ahead. With regard to downtown, what I'm actually working on right now, I always describe it as a puzzle. There's several people, other developers, everybody seems to be on the same page. Took a little while to get there as to from the charrettes that you described early on to where we've got now. It, it's been a slow process. It's now because of our Mayor Gillich and the City Council and other developers, and I have to give props to the community of Biloxi, where my project is, um, really starting to pick up momentum. Uh, we had the setback, obviously, with COVID. Everybody did not know what, what to expect after that. But my project is concentrated on two main buildings in uh, downtown Biloxi. One is the old Barks Root Beer Administrative Building. The second one is the old Crest Building, which for a brief period was a music venue called Crest Live. All that went away. Both of these buildings, for all intents and purposes, sat vacant for many years. There was a homeless problem downtown because when you have vacant areas like that, um, they tend to foster either crime, homeless, um, those kind of situations. And before long, these areas develop a reputation of, well, I don't want to go down there. It's scary. I have nurses over at the hospital that were scared to walk out to their cars at night. Slowly but surely, as these buildings are starting to take shape and businesses are occupying them and people, that starts to become a distant memory. People now feel safe. Mississippi Power has been a wonderful, wonderful partner with us. 
and bringing extra security lighting in downtown. Um, we've got plans for the parking lot behind both of those buildings to make it a safe environment. Um, we do things like at Ground Zero, uh, which I'll get into later, but we made sure we had not adequate security, but above adequate security. And that means my security guys, if it means taking women or nurses, whoever's visiting the venue out to their cars, then that's what the mission is. You've got to have safety. Uh, our police in Biloxi are wonderful. And um, it sort of starts with that. And um, those are the two buildings. I call this the sort of epicenter of downtown because it takes up literally a block, almost a block, of uh, the true downtown uh, center. So what you had to do in order to – you're sitting in ground zero now – which is a, a great step toward achieving your vision. But you had to go into these old buildings and really kind of strip away the facades. And, and, and by the way, you know, my family was in kind of the, the real estate business for a long time. And I, I, I know what it means to go in there and start stripping, you know, away these walls. You don't know what you're going to see when you get there. It might be a bigger job than you expect, or it might be big surprises architecturally. But what's it been like going through that process? Well, the Crest Building was a little bit different in where we where Ground Zero is located, and I'll get into why that happened in, later. But um, it was a shell on the inside as well. It was a shell on the outside, shell on the inside, and so we had to literally create an, the atmosphere inside here. So we were actually already dealing with a blank slate. The Barks Root Beer Building was a hundred-year-old building, give or take. Um, over those 10 decades, you can imagine how many different businesses located there, how many office spaces, etc. And instead of ever taking that building back down to its original foundation, people kept adding layer after layer after layer over the decades. And so I, I say that that was a huge challenge for us because when you got into the demolition part, which, you know, you have to strip it down to its bones and then you have to put it back together. But that, the sheer amount of debris, uh, the demolition work that had to be done to essentially gut it, strip the exterior down to um, the original masonry work that, that's on the building, which is beautiful, I might add. Um, that was probably triple what we expected. Luckily, though, from a foundation uh, standpoint and structural standpoint, we were very lucky in a lot of respects because buildings built back then were built way above what they were built with wood that was real wood. They were, uh, the steel was real steel. So, from a structural standpoint, we were quite pleased with what we found once we were able to take out the 10 decades that had been put on top of it. It was literally like doing an archaeological dig, wasn't it? No doubt. We found you'd find you'd take one layer off, as I'd say, and you'd find where so-and-so wrote love so-and-so on a, <laughs> on a board, and then that was covered up. And then we got down to, I think we had the, the earliest graffiti, I would call it, on one of the boards was uh, 1922, somebody putting their name there. And so 
Um, we saved a lot of pieces of that kind of uh, history of the building. Um, even people who had offices there, unique glassware that was in their window and separating their offices and things of that nature. And the goal is in the lobby area of that building as we put it back together is to pay homage to all the people that were a part of that building along the way. So a collage, if you will, so when people walk into the lobby of the building, they can look and say, this all was part of this place for 100 years, and so that's yes. our goal anyway. So it's 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 really it's really special. Hey, what we're gonna do? We're gonna come back to talk about the evolution of the project, sort of the partners that are evolving, what your vision once it's done, what's it feel like, look like, what's somebody gonna experience when they're there. Uh, we'll come back to all that here in just a second. I'm curious though about your journey that led you to this point. Tell tell me a little bit about where you grew up and where the big influences in your life were. Tell, tell, give us that 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 journey. Well, I was actually born in Slidell, Louisiana. My father worked for NASA at that time. Ingalls went through a major, major expansion late uh, 60s, early 70s. And my father was in IT and had a chance to um, come to Ingalls, uh, better his job situation. And so he moved uh, at that point was my brother, myself, and my mom to uh, Pascagoula. So I'm a Pascagoula guy uh, by heart, graduated high school there, grew up there, and um, uh, love Pascagoula, love Moss Point, love that whole area. And um, that's, uh, you know, my trek on the coast. I, we were not a wealthy family, so we didn't vacation at Disney. I don't think I went to Disney World until I was probably 20 I'm embarrassed to say, 25 years old with my nieces and nephews, but I crammed my butt in every ride I could get on that I heard about <laughs> as a child. But I will say my childhood was spent at Horn Island. Most of the time we went every Saturday and Sunday. We had a small boat. We camped out. Um, you really, I tell people when they come to the coast, yeah, there are casinos, but if you can find any type of way to visit the offshore islands, you, it is magical and is something people come back after doing that. Go, wow, I did not know that was out there. So, you anyway. know, I've, I'm a big fan of Walter Anderson. I studied his life. As, as we both know, he's a Renaissance man. His contributions are, are immense. But but he did a great job of sort of capturing the art of of Horn Island. I mean, not just Horn Island. Of course, he was he was a world traveler and and a big thinker. But man, what he what he brought to uh, coast of Mississippi and Ocean Springs in particular in terms of capturing the beauty of that was just so outstanding. Hey, when we come back, we're gonna, we're going to continue to learn a little bit more about Lee Young. What what was his journey along the way that actually ended up putting him in a position where he could make investments in coastal Mississippi? We'll see after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Lee Young uh, with us. He's a developer and uh, someone who I really look forward to having a chat with. And what one of the things that I've said to many of my friends, and certainly as a publisher, I always try to, to live this ideal, and that is that there aren't a lot of developers who can amass the kind of collaboration that's required to do something like what you're doing in downtown Biloxi. It, uh, and who can who can who can bring the funds to bear to make something like that become a reality? And the thing that I've always said is that every city of coastal Mississippi should seek the Lee Youngs of their community out, or, or find them somewhere else and bring them to their community, and do everything they can to grease the skids to make it easy for you to invest your money and be successful. Because really, what you're doing, and I, I predict it's going to be unbelievably successful in bringing life back to downtown Biloxi in a way that will transform Biloxi. I really believe that. So anyway, we're going to come back to specifically how are you going to do that here in just a second. But you grew up in Pascagoula. What happened next? So uh, I'm a lawyer by training. Went to Ole Miss undergrad and law school. Had an opportunity to come back to work for Dick Scruggs in Pascagoula. Um, and shortly after joining that practice, the landmark tobacco litigation um, is now, it, it's crazy that that's been over 25 years ago, but um, I had an opportunity as a young lawyer to work on that case. And it kept me from the coast for probably six days out of the week, I was. we represented the attorneys general in that case, and we ended up representing 37 states, I believe, including Hawaii, the uh, Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. And so literally um, working six days a week, missing my family and friends, uh, was on the road. And when that was over... There was there was a part of me. Do I want to practice law? I, I, I like screenwriting. I thought about you know going after that, and so I, I maintained a practice for a few years after after the litigation was over, and I was lucky enough to do be successful with my firm and 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 treated well, and um, so I started my own firm. Did a couple of. Uh, cases on the coast, um, bigger cases like the casino shooting at Casino Magic and things of that nature. But I, there was always this part of me. Um, I have I'm not a financial kind of person mind, but I'm a, I consider myself a creative person kind of mind. But I also believe that with creativity, you have to be very smart about how you do it, or it's wasted energy. Um, you can go spin your wheels if you don't either assemble the right team to assist um, and I caught, have the right players surrounding you, then you're, you're spending a lot of wasted energy in that process. And so my, the first thing that came up for me to do to pay back the coast was the year, year before Katrina. At that point, um, there was a big push by, and I don't know if you recall this or not, but a big push by the oil companies to put uh, gas rigs and oil rigs in the Mississippi Sound and are, and closer in around the Barrier I remember Islands. well the 12, the 12 Miles Coalition came about. Yeah. So I had a chance to be a, a principal in the 12 Miles South Coalition, met a lot of 
unbelievable, wonderful people that I would have never had a chance to meet. We raised a sufficient amount of capital to try to help battle that. Um, and what was interesting to me about that was everybody that was involved, had a, they knew the impact. The coast was just getting where it needed to be. And I'm like, you're going to come in here and ruin it with with rigs that people can see and supply boats going out. And I know see people. some people saw money. I saw it as a, a point where we probably would not recover as far as tourism and being able to attract people. And I'm not dogging anybody out over in Alabama, but I go, I, I love Dolphin Island. But that west end of Dolphin Island where the rigs are literally right up on the shore, was it, it ruined Dauphin Island for all intents and purposes. And so one of the speakers, and I'll never forget this, one of the speakers, we had a rally the week before Hurricane Katrina hit. One of the speakers there was talking about the dangers of having the rigs that close in in the event a catastrophic storm were to hit the coast. And... It, that was on Saturday prior to Katrina, and Katrina hit that following Saturday. And if that did not drive home the point to everybody, I, I, I meant, and luckily that never came to pass. Um, and so that was my first efforts, as far as I'm concerned, to invest myself in the coast and, and protect it to the extent I can. And that's a protection not only as an environmental person, which I am, um, but it, to me it's a smart business sense because, and luckily we had a lot of business people that joined in there because the coast, if you're either going to be tourism or you're going to be an industrial, I'm not going to say waste ground, but that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Yeah. And so um, there was a choice to be had at that point. And so I think the business community, in particular on the coast, knew what would happen if, if that would happen. And so uh, people like Bones Bark uh, joined in and, and helped amass a great – we had Gerald Blessy at the time. And uh, really, really uh, – I remember Beverly Martin and stuff, people that played a, an integral role in, in helping uh, – I call it Save the Coast. But um, yeah, we pushed, that was yeah, my I, first time. I was publisher of the Sun-Herald during that time, and we wrote editorials about it. We, we were very passionate about it with you. But, you know, what's interesting is when you go through an effort like that and you think about grassroots communication and collaboration and bringing all these different people to, together, um, that actually lays a great foundation for you and your development work because you realize what it takes to get alignment. Alignment is key in the kind of projects that you're involved with, isn't it? No, no doubt. And I have to tell you, I, I tell the story about where Half Shell Oyster House is located. And that was my, as far as development on the coast, that was my first opportunity to be involved with restoring a building. Uh, my friend and colleague Matthew Medier and I were able to join forces uh, after Katrina and purchase that building, which had been for all intents and purposes wiped out. I mean, it was flooded. Uh, and and destroyed on the interior, and everything around it was destroyed. And it stood there to us like a beacon that says, you know what, if downtown Biloxi 
if there's any way this downtown area is going to come back, it's going to start with a vision that uh, we need restaurants, we need stuff for people, um, choices for people to make to want to come downtown. I mean, I can come downtown and see my accountant or my lawyer or my doctor, but that's not, and no, no disrespect to those professions, that is not what uh, creates synergy for a downtown. A downtown needs people willing to live in it, number one, so you have to have places for people to live. You have to have places for people to work, and you have to have places to enjoy them for people to enjoy themselves and have a catalyst for that. So that requires smart thinking, creative thinking, and more most importantly, I would say some initial risk takers that are willing to put their money where their mouth is. They're not asking uh, somebody else to participate that they're not willing to also share in that participation. So. And what, what's happened is, and it's been interesting to watch because you, you think about Ivan Spinner and his his development, yes, sir. Jordan Nico and the Nico brothers and their development. What you're doing, there's others. The, the mayor and I have talked about, I don't even know of any commercial land that's available in downtown Biloxi right now. I mean, it's just everything is beginning to evolve in such an amazing way that you got the right people amassed who have the funds to do it, who have the vision to do it, who've done it before, who know what it's like to do it. It's a, it's amazing to be surrounded with people like that, isn't it? I've complimented every one of the developers that you mentioned, but um, I have to tell you, there are other small business owners like Greenhouse Coffee, uh, Marley's Music, Lauren, who opened her uh, healthy eatery down down the down the way, that are putting now some small businesses. And you want to talk about taking a risk? Right now, there's not the foot traffic in downtown Biloxi that will be coming for those people. Uh, to take a risk and put these smaller type shops in right now where you don't have the day-to-day or weekend uh, that's a huge risk but they're also part of the part of the framework that's got to happen and if if i can for a second hey let's do let's do this lee we'll come we're at the end of this segment we'll come back on the other side with lee young a developer who's uh, made a tremendous investment in downtown biloxi and we're talking about that now we'll uh, have him for the final segment when we come back we'll see you after this Listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. You have Lee Young, a developer who's doing an amazing project in downtown Biloxi. And Lee, I love the way you just said that, though, about small business owners in a way. You got big developers and small developers. You got the general public that's coming to downtown again, that's starting to sort of create uh, this wonderful sense of place. But uh, but anyway, when we went to break, you were about to make a point. I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead of you. You can finish your point. What what I wanted to comment on was if you looked at Bob Taylor taking a risk with Matthew and I to bring Half Shell Oyster House to his building, uh, 
it's people forget because now it's been however many years Bob's been in operation there that there were no other restaurants around in that vicinity. And now I think uh, there are six new restaurants surrounding that. And the same thing, if people ever question this, I say go look at that corner, uh, Lemieux uh, Street, and you'll see exactly what I envision happening for the rest of Howard Avenue and the surrounding vicinity of Howard Avenue downtown. And um, I, I can tell you that uh, the Barks building, let's start with that, and I'll maybe end with Ground Zero. or Yeah, go ahead, forth. sure. But the Barks building will contain 23 uh, residential apartments um, with a really good, like you see, in a really good industrial mixed with uh, nice amenities and appliances and things of that nature. Uh, a little bit of upscale living, I would say. But... Um, with an industrial feel to it, something that you see in Nashville, Birmingham, Mobile, New Orleans, uh, those kind of cities, we're going to bring that to downtown Biloxi. We're very far along in that process. Um, But downstairs, you're looking at 30,000 square feet of commercial space. We are actively involved in negotiations with my brother is front, well, was born, uh, grew up on the coast, but has lived in New Orleans the majority of his life. He's now back on the coast. But um, we had some connections with businesses and um, restaurant groups over there. So we have actively courted some big names um, because, in, in our estimation, you need a couple of big name groups that know what they're doing, uh, the restaurant groups, that we you know, you'd say, take your chance, bet the farm, whatever. Well, you also want to hedge your bets. You want to try to go with people that are proven, too. So if we're lucky enough, and I think we will, to land a couple of these names, um, that the rest of the building will fill in, and you'll have enough foot traffic now going down to help these smaller businesses that are already in here. And you'll also... For smaller uh, businesses that want to open things like dress shops or um, uh, not souvenir, but art artwork, things yeah. of that nature, yeah, you'll have enough foot traffic happening to actually support those those people. And you'll, uh, my vision is to have people biking, walking, uh, golf cart, if you will, down this thoroughfare. And with many, many choices for things to do and where you can get dropped off or you want to hang out here, not just pass through as fast as you can. There's got to be something that, you know what, let's just go hang out on Howard Avenue or whatever. And then you've got choices galore, hopefully, of what you want to do. Well, listen, as a former publisher of the Times Picayune in New Orleans, we covered greatly the uh, the restaurant scene there has some of the best reporters on that scene in the United United States. The restaurant groups there are the real deal. They're very real deal. I probably know everyone that you're probably courting. And uh, the reality is they're good at what they do. They know high volume. They know they know what that's all about. And this would be a destination r- restaurant that you're talking about. One where people would drive from all over the place to go to it. And it would be smoking hot all the time with incredible service. And uh, and I'm not underestimating how important that is, am I? 
No, not at all. And I think uh, as you know, we've as word has gotten out a little bit about these groups, it's more and more people are reaching out to us, more and more of those same groups. They're like, well, if so-and-so and so-and-so from New Orleans uh, is coming over here, I'm willing to take a chance and come over to Biloxi. And it may not be in my building. It may be in a, they may erect another building. They may go into another building. And look, the, the way I see it, the more the merrier. I, there is nothing... Uh, that uh, no, you can only come into my development. I, I'm not about that. I love what Martinez has done. Uh, he's got plans for expansion, and he really talking about a risk taker. He put in millions of dollars when nobody else was down, you know, doing anything on Howard Avenue. And um, but it all started with the mayor's vision. I'd say leadership yeah. of your community is so important. And him, ta- you know what? We're going to take this road back to two way. We're going to we're going to brick it. I want to bring it back to that that the fiery self it was in the forties and fifties when he grew up. Well, Lee, we're out of time, but what, we're going to come back together again, and you can give us a sort of an update. And when we come back together again, I want to tell a little bit more about the Ground Zero story. I had the opportunity, God rest his soul, to have the last deep conversation with Bill Luckett. He talked about his vision, about this brand, this first foray outside of Clarksdale, be right here in Biloxi, the whole story around it. And uh, if you haven't seen that conversation, I'll be sure to send it over to you so you can watch it. But um, it's a special thing that you've created there. It's a unique opportunity and uh, and it means the world to the team at, at Ground Zero that this, this is now located in downtown Biloxi. Congratulations on getting that. We'll tell that story, but for now we're out of time. It's been my pleasure, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. We will continue the conversation soon, actually. This has been Lee Young, developer, and uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. A lot to learn in this conversation about commitment and passion and dogged determination. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.